to fight tooth and nail to have unity and diversity to give people on non-essential issues to say look we realize there's going to be a difference of opinion but the unity of who God is is what we're holding on to and we can accept one another and talk like a healthy family around the family table and disagree in a way that is building up instead of destroying When you think about Christians who don't think the same way you do, does this sound impossible? What about Christians who don't vote the same way you do? It's like Jesus knew that our biggest need was for him to pray for unity, because of course, he did know. (laughs) Jesus prayed for you and for me that we would find unity and that our unity would be a witness to the world of who he is. It might be time to change how we speak about each other. Now here's Pastor Daniel in John chapter 17 as he continues his message, a prayer of invitation. We can be healthy all around, but if one thing is not together, if one thing is not functioning, we could be catastrophically in trouble. So brothers and sisters, I want you to say, God, Because you want us unified, help me to be a force for unity. Help me to be gracious with people I don't agree with. Because God is not saying that everyone needs to do everything and believe everything exactly the same. He's saying, look, because I am God, there is a diversity of non-essential issues that it's okay. For most of us, you know what happens? Because we do not really understand the unity of God, unity and diversity, we end up embracing everyone who thinks like we do and we push away everyone who doesn't. You can tell, like, so like, if you're on Facebook, if you post something political and everybody just agrees with you, I'm here to tell you that you are not technically understanding true unity. Because what it means is that you've only surrounded yourself with people who are just like you. And most often have been people who used to be. But after a while, there's such a severing in relationship. See, God wants us to hold our views with conviction, but with a loving heart. A convicted civility. And I think in a church the size of Carl, we're going to have all sorts of things. We're like, man, I don't know if we should be doing that. I don't know if we should be doing that. But listen, we love Jesus, and we're getting at the things of Jesus. And listen, it's okay, because we have some differences of opinion. Jesus wants us unified. You know why? Because God the Father is unified. Now, but here's the thing. Because we live in a culture, because we live in a culture that values argument, I mean, pretty much every talk show, right, it's... What makes the talk show entertaining is all the fighting that goes on. How many of you guys remember Jerry Springer? He might still be on. I remember when I was growing up, Jerry Springer was actually a respectable talk show. There was Phil Donahue. There was Oprah Winfrey back before she thought she was God. And don't get, listen, don't get me wrong. I cry when I watch Oprah every time. I'm that guy. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
You know, but this was before Oprah kind of decided that she was uh, more than just Oprah Winfrey, created and sustained by the Almighty God, right? And then Jerry Springer was on there too, and he was solid. But all of a sudden, as Oprah really started to ascend in popularity, now all of a sudden Jerry needed to find a new thing, so he'd cut all these people, they'd fight and brawl on there. And pretty much every talk show, every political talk show, they're all designed on an argument, and they incite you, and people start yelling at each other, and then maybe you'll get some hits that people say really nasty things to each other. So our culture, we are entertained by conflict. And then what happens is, is that we come into church, and we start to think, God is honored by my stern displeasure. <laughs> I mean, think about how crazy that is. Where's one place in the Bible Jesus is like, look, I get glory when you are prickly. When was the last time your spouse was like, I really enjoy you when you're grumpy? Listen to what Puritan preacher Thomas Brooks says. This kind of stopped me in my tracks when I read it. Discord and division become no Christian. For wolves to worry the lambs is no wonder. But for one lamb to worry another, this is unnatural and monstrous. They don't talk like that anymore. But maybe we should. Now, we need to fight tooth and nail to have unity in diversity. To give people on non-essential issues to say, look, we realize there's going to be a difference of opinion, but the unity of who God is is what we're holding on to. And we can accept one another and talk like a healthy family around the family table and disagree in a way that is Building up instead of destroying. Because the finished work of Jesus is worth it. See, as we move to our next point, what you're going to find is that our culture and the world has never seen a church that's unified. They've seen the church in all different kind of looks, but the unified church, that's where the power is. And brothers and sisters, we need to work and talk and pray and seek after unity and diversity. I'm going to clue you in on something. Whatever the secondary issues that you hold the most dear, I am absolutely certain that there are many people in this room who hold the exact other side of the issue. And for equally biblical convicted reasons. How do we say, God, you are bigger than the things that want to divide us? You are greater than that. And we need to fight against disunity. Because over and over again, our unity is supplied by God's unity in his personhood and us becoming like God. So Jesus not only wants us, he wants us unified. And then notice what it says. Jesus wants the world to know. Jesus wants the world to know. I get there's a number of places here. Look at what it says. Of course, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Verse 21, where it says, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 23, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you sent me. 
Verse 25 and 26, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. So check this out. So God wants you and I. He's adopted us just as we are. He's taken us into the family, right? And then he says, look, I want you to be unified as I am essentially unified. Why? That other people may know that, God, you sent me, Jesus. See, God's calling of us and then God putting us together in a community, a family of faith with a ton of diversity, but still essential unity, all of it is for a purpose that the world may know. Now, that word world, it speaks of God's created order that the world may know. And so what we need to remember is that everything about our lives are not just personal, but we are a witness to the world. And what's interesting is, not only are we a witness to the world, everybody is witnessing or declaring or showing forth something. There is not a person who is not reflecting some set of values or truth claims into the world. How many times have you seen an article, the gospel according to this person? Right? And the idea here is that everybody stands for something. But... The reality of the people of God, you and I, because of God's desire for us, our unity is meant to be a witness to the world. Why? Because it is so rare for there to be a group of people who share one heart and one mind and can be so diverse. You realize that, right? The fact that Jesus could bind, I mean, for many of you, you've probably never seen a person with dreadlocks before. And if you did, you're like, oh, man, look at that guy. Right? And now we're brothers and sisters. <laughs> I mean, how awesome is that? Every tribe, nation, and tongue. Maybe you were raised in a family that had racist tendencies or sexist tendencies or uh, elitist tendencies and then all of a sudden you look around and you go travel and all of a sudden you go to a developing country and there's somebody who's your brother or your sister see that is meant to be a bright shining declaration to the world of who Jesus is we all live out loud every day your life speaks loudly to everybody around you. But God has done this work that other people may know. Now listen, as a church, we are unabashedly seeking to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are unashamed. We want to reach our community and our nation and our world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so listen, we want you to invite people to church. We want you to invite people to follow Jesus with you. We want you to invite people at your work and in your neighborhood. I was just reading one of our, our brothers here who just got baptized. I was reading this beautiful post on Facebook. He's like, look, it's not my thing. It may not be your thing. It wasn't my thing either, but God is doing this, and I would just want to invite you along. And I was like, yeah. Because it's, it's acknowledging, look, you may not do the Jesus thing, but I'd love for you to come check it out. What holds us back from that? We fear rejection, right? We fear that someone may say, well, I don't really like you because you like Jesus. 
know what I would tell you? They're not your real friends anyway if they don't like you because you like Jesus because a real friend would say, like, I like you even though I don't like Jesus. Right? True friendship is not agreeing with everything that you do. True friendship is saying, look, we disagree, but you're still, I still love you. But statistically, we have learned that seven out of ten people who get invited by a friend will join you. How crazy is that? I mean, look around the room. Look around. There's open seats, right? Now, I know you're saying, look, if we had too many people, we're going to be fighting to get out of the parking lot, and I don't want to sin after church. (laughs) But God's working on us, isn't he? But look, every open space is an open opportunity. It's a missed opportunity for someone to meet with Jesus just the way we've met with Jesus. So we want to invite people. Why? Because God's desire and Jesus prayed that not only did God want us, but that we'd be unified. Why? That the whole world would know that Jesus was sent by God on a rescue mission. The message of the gospel is that the only way to have a relationship with God is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he lived the perfect life that we have all failed at. And he died on a cross for our mistakes, for not his own mistakes, but for my mistakes and your mistakes. And he rose again, conquering the thing that we fear the most. And not only did he conquer death, he just took care of it where it says in Paul's Second, first letter to the Corinthians. Oh, death, where's your sting? He's just saying like, death, you got nothing. You got no game. Jesus conquered death. And he sent his spirit to enliven true, abundant life on this side of eternity. I mean, that message is so powerful. It grips our hearts. It should. That God's love and God's power would be so strong and so unbelievable that we could say, look, we find our life in the life of Jesus. We find all of our greatest hopes and dreams taken care of through that man from Nazareth who lived the most radical life and died the most horrific death. And he is alive right now. And we want the whole world to know You know, last night at our prayer meeting, we were praying for the world. And we were praying for the men and the women who are involved in the Islamic State, ISIS. And we were talking about how horrified we were at seeing the things that we've been seeing on the news. And I had the unfortunate, although fortunate, opportunity last week when I went to my buddy Levi Lusco's church in Montana to preach Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you and abuse you and bless those who persecute you. And I said, brothers, sisters, we need to pray and do good for the folks of ISIS because we believe that if they were to come to know Jesus, they would be forgiven of all the atrocities they commit. Do you believe that there's enough power in the cross to completely forgive somebody who beheaded another person on a video? That's the gospel. And the reason they do it is because they do not know who Jesus is. And the reason they don't know is because we haven't gone and told them. See, the gospel is so challenging because we hate what they're doing, but we should love them as people. 
because they were created in the image and likeness of God and they're doing what they're doing because they don't know God's love. But for many of us, we'd rather just wipe them out, get rid of them, instead of saying, no, no, no. Everybody is redeemable by the blood of Jesus. See, isn't Jesus' gospel so crazy when you talk like that? It's crazy, but that's the good news. I mean, how? Ready for this? Okay. How powerful is it going to be in heaven to meet a man or a woman from ISIS because they put their faith and trust in Jesus? That's how radical the gospel is. That is the Jesus message that no matter how horrible you are, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will be white as snow. That's the gospel. Now, I realize for 10 o'clock in the morning, that's a rugged statement. But listen, you know it's a biblical statement. And God is doing a work in our hearts. Because like I was preaching it last week, and I watched that video online, and I was horrified. And I am not saying that what they did was right. It is straight out wrong. But then Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to bless and pray for them. And I find myself with white knuckles and clenched teeth saying, God, will you bless them and save them? And it goes against every grain in my character. But isn't that the key to the Christian life? Not being who I am naturally. The key to the Christian life is don't do what comes naturally. Say, God, what comes natural to you? And I want to be that way. See, God wants to do a work in us that the whole world may know. And I'm here to tell you, the whole world for us begins here in Clark County and the Portland metro area. This is our Jerusalem and Judea. And as we continue to reach Jerusalem and Judea, then we go on out to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we're already out in those places. But we want to reach our community right here. So brothers and sisters, I pray, listen, go to prayer at crossroadschurch.net. Write down the people who you're going to be inviting. We want to pray for them. We want to pray that every card that gets given, every invite that happens is drenched with the Holy Spirit. That somebody's like, okay, I'm just going to go. I don't know why I'm going. I'm going to go. Because God's desire is that the whole world will know. Listen to what it says in Acts 2.47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Notice he doesn't say the Lord added to the church on Sunday and Wednesday. God was daily adding to the people of God those who are being saved. And this is what I want to tell you. Listen, you know, we, we have no problem saying, look, we need to take some time at the end of every service and say, listen, we're going to invite people to give your life to Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And no matter who you are or what you've done, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he'll forgive you, no matter what it is. There is no sin that is unforgivable except rejecting Jesus. That's the one sin that God can't forgive. Everything else, no matter how horrible or menial, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're forgiven. But what it also means, I believe God's going to use many of us to see people come to know Christ at our jobs, in the grocery store. Man, I'll be honest, there's nothing cooler when you see someone come to Christ in the produce aisle and then the water starts going off. 
I had that happen once. It was so cool. Like all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm like, I talked to this person and they're giving their life to Jesus. All of a sudden we start getting sprayed with water. I'm like, look, that's really not the Holy Spirit, but kind of is. I'm like, just trying to keep the produce fresh. But listen, we'll enjoy the moment. But I believe God wants to use us to be bright shining lights of what it means to follow Jesus because we're different. And what I've found is that people really want to know Jesus. They just don't like the picture of Christianity they see every day. A judgmental Christianity, a critical Christianity, an anti-people Christianity. When God wants to do a unique work in our lives. And then finally, our last point for today is that Jesus wants us to enjoy God's love, glory, and presence. Jesus wants us to enjoy God's love, God's glory, and God's presence. Now, you'll notice the discussion on God's love. Look at what it says in verse 23. And have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 26. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You notice that? Jesus is praying that those who would believe in Jesus through the testimony of the disciples that we would know God's love, that God has loved us with the same love that God has for Jesus. Now what that means is that God's self-love, he wants to share it with you. Can you imagine how much God loves his son Jesus? I mean, didn't Jesus say that we should love our neighbors as ourselves? See, he's saying, look, all of us already love ourselves. Sure, we may love ourselves in a destructive way or a hurtful way, and we hurt ourselves, but we end up loving people with our own self-love. And what's amazing is he's saying, look, I want that same thing for my people. God is saying, look, I love my son, and I love the spirit, and I want you to be partakers of that love. Do you realize that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God doesn't love you based on how good you've done. God loves you based on how good Jesus is. When was the last time you said, God, I want you to enlarge my heart. I want to experience more of your love. I want my heart to be larger that I may give out your love with more passion. Because Jesus wants us to enjoy not only God's love, but God's glory. Look at verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are. Wow. Jesus is saying, God, you gave me glory and I've given it to those guys. See, I love that. See, Jesus is sharing with us all that God has given it. And the glory of God is God's weightiness. Jesus is God wants us to hold our opinions with conviction and with a loving heart. In today's message, Pastor Daniel took us into the prayer that Jesus prayed for you and for me. The main focus of his prayer was that we maintain unity in him. But how can the most diverse people on earth be unified? The only way to keep unity is to abide in the vine. When we stay connected to Jesus, we will keep a unified heart. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will begin a new series called Census. He will be opening up the book of Numbers, which covers 38 of the 40 years the Israelites spent wandering in the wilderness. This is a people who weren't always keen to do things God's way. We will see them suffer the consequences. Come along for the ride where we will learn together that God's way is always better. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to join Pastor Daniel next time as he begins this new census series. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.